All right, give them guys a hand this morning. Great worship this morning. It is. God is a great God, isn't he? Man, it's good to see you. Hadn't seen some of you since last year. You know, last, uh, last time we met, I said something about uh, New Year's resolution and, and, and changing that a little bit to a new life resolution, right? And uh, that's kind of what we want to talk about today, uh, is talk about some resolutions, but in a different way. So resolutions, you ever thought about how long resolutions have been around? They've been around for a long time, right? Probably started with Adam and Eve, I got to believe. Huh? I mean, after the first year, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. Don't you think that, you know, that first year they wanted a do-over? Don't you think that first year rolled around they wanted, man, I, Lord, uh, Eve, I think we ought to, I wish we could wipe the slate clean and start all over again, right? Don't you think? So I think, I, actually, I think it started with the Babylonians, uh, the Babylonian period about 4,000 years ago. But I believe Adam and Eve, probably after that first year, uh, had something on their mind wishing they had a do-over. So uh, just something about the beginning of a new year, isn't it? Huh? It is, man. Uh, you, you think about all this stuff, it, good or bad, you know. If it's good, you wish, man, I hope, I hope this year's better than last year, right? And if it's bad, it's like, man, Lord, please give me a do-over, right? I don't want to do these things, and I want to change these things. So... Uh, what, what, what are some of the top New Year's resolutions that everybody had? What do you think What do you think is the number one thing? Get in shape or improve health, right? You know, round is a shape, you know. I've got to the point right now, man, at, at 60 years old that this is the shape that I'm in and this is going to be it, right? Everything you try to do, man, is just, it just ain't working no more, right? Uh, so you just have to get to a point sometimes where you work out and you do what you need to do. But you know, First Timothy four eight talks to us about shape. What's the second thing? I want to be in better shape, and then I want what? I want my pocketbook to be in better shape, right? It's improve finances. So get in shape physically, and then get in shape. Financially, Hebrews 13.5 talks about our finances. 1 Timothy 6.10, I'm not telling you these on purpose. You need to go look them up. Get in God's Word, look them up. 1 Timothy 6.10, Luke 9.25 talks about finances. Okay, What do you think is the next one? These have changed a little bit over the years too. Kind of tells you where we're at uh, culturally. Okay, I want to I be in better shape. Physically, I want to be in better shape financially. I want to be in better shape mentally. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Okay. Now, how long does a New Year's resolution last? Huh? We're going we're gonna to do things to get in shape. Some of y'all are going to go buy stuff. Right? We're going to do stuff to get in shape physically. We're going to do stuff to get in shape financially. We're going to do stuff to get in shape mentally. And it, I was wrong. I said last week it lasts about seven days. I was wrong. It actually lasts to about mid-March. 
Mid-March is it, man. Now, some folks have actually come up with ditch New Year's Day resolution on uh, January 17th. And, uh, and some have actually called the second Friday in January, so you got the next Friday. It's Quitter's Day, okay? <laughs> that, that's a real thing, by the way. So we don't want to be no stinking quitter, right? So, but look, man, look. One to two percent of people will carry their resolution through the year. That means 98 to 99 percent of us are quitters. And look, notice when I gave those resolutions, I gave you God's word. That, that's for a reason. Okay, because here, here's what I want to ask you, man. Of all the resolutions, of all the things that we could put place in our life, they're worthless. Worthless. They are worthless if we're not seeking God's best for our life. You know that? Because look, man, I, I don't care how I don't. You can be in the greatest shape in the world. I mean, you can be a specimen up at Duke and UNC for people to say, oh, man, look at this cat. This cat's amazing. You guys need to follow everything he's doing. You can be, you can be the, the, the epitome of, of, of financial success. And the same applies with mental success and, and, and health. You can have all of that and still be in the worst shape possible for a human being, because we can be missing God's best for our life. You realize that? Man, the world's full of them. The world's full of people who are healthy, who are financially stable, who are mentally stable, who have all kinds of success according to the world, right? To the world's standard. But they don't have God's best for their life. So that's why I call it a new life resolution. Look, Matthew 6, Check this out. This is Jesus speaking here. He said, seek the kingdom of God above and live righteously. Or some translations say, and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. C.S. Lewis said this, look, if we put primary things or the primary thing in, in place in our life, okay? And what's the, what's the, what is the primary thing that we need to have place in our life? God, right? We need to have the right relationship with God, and we know that only comes through Jesus Christ. So if that's the primary thing in our life, he said all the secondary things fall into place. But check this out. He said, if you don't have the primary thing in place, not only do we lose the secondary thing, but we've lost the primary thing. Psalm 37, 4 says it like this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did y'all hear that? Delight yourself in me, God says. I'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does that mean, to delight ourselves in the Lord? It, it means when we find our fulfillment and our satisfaction in Christ, in Christ alone, that God gives us the desires of our heart. Because you know what happens? 
If I've got wrong desires, if I've got wrong motive, I've got wrong intentions in my life, when I get right with Christ, some of those wrong things, what happened to them? They go away. All of a sudden, my, my motive, my aspiration, my desires shift, don't they? They shift and they start to line up with Him. Isn't that what we want? So instead of us focusing on secondary things, I mean, isn't improved health secondary according to my relationship with God? Isn't, isn't improved finances secondary? Isn't improved mental state secondary to knowing our Creator, to having our relationship right with Christ? I think it is, isn't it? So to seek His kingdom above all else and live righteously, to delight ourselves in Him, to, to, to really be faithful, be a faithful, spiritually healthy follower of Jesus Christ. I think that, that should be our goal for this year. That should be our, our resolution, right, for this year. And you know, if we do that, man, we're going to have great influence. We're going to have great impact in the world for Jesus, right? Which is what we're supposed to do. Uh, and, and, and in doing that, I think God meets every need. We just read it. If we do that, God meets every need, every desire that we have, right? Now, sometimes y'all get a little sideways. Huh? I mean, we're going to strive to do this, right? Look, 99% of people are not going to follow through with their resolution, okay? So if 99, 98% of us will not follow through with a, a resolution, what's going to happen about follow through with godly things? Huh? Because we've got, we got an adversary, right? Is there a battle going on in your heart and your mind? If not, then you, you ain't, you're not breathing this morning. Because everybody that's breathing got some kind of battle going on inside. Because Satan does not want us to seek first the kingdom of God for his righteousness. Satan does not want us to delight ourselves in the Lord. He doesn't want us to put the primary thing first. He wants us to keep secondary things first in our life. So we'll miss out on the primary thing. Psalm, 30, one, Psalm 139, 23, 24 Bill referenced, this, referenced it this morning. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So sometimes, man, we've we, we got to ask God to show us, right? Because, man, I'm, I'm convinced today, man, Satan is working overtime trying to deceive and blind us to the truth of God's Word. It's amazing how many people, look, I'm talking about in the church, that are believing stuff and are gravitating to stuff that, that's not in God's Word, that's contradictory to God's Word. How does that work? How's that even possible? Because Satan has blinded our minds, Satan has blinded our eyes to the truth. And that's why it's so critical, man, that we stay in God's Word and we stay connected to one another because sometimes if you get sideways and you start to drift, don't you want a brother or somebody there to say, hey, Bubba, where are you going? Huh? I do. Man, I think we need that. So consider this our annual checkup, okay? This January is our annual checkup, right? Turn to Romans 12 if you got your Bible. We're going to put it on the screen or on your phone. This is an executive summary of Romans, uh, 
1 through 11, up to this point, uh, chapter 1 through 3, Paul's talk about sin, right? We all got the same problem, don't we? Everybody got a sin problem. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the problem we all have. We're all sick, right? And we all need some medicine. So chapters 4 through 5, God tells us what the medicine is, right? He had the solution for our sin problem. There's only one solution for the sin problem. What is it? Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. That's the medicine. And then chapter 6 through 8 tells us how we receive and then live in this new life that Christ has for us. It tells us how we're set apart by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right? That's a 75-cent word called sanctification, which just means you're set apart, right? It means you're His, you belong to Him, you're different now, right? And then chapters 9 through 10 talks about God being sovereign and in absolute control, okay? Whether we like it or not, God is in absolute control. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that God hasn't allowed. If you're going through something, then God's allowed it, and He's orchestrated it for a reason. You know, sometimes, man, we, we, we may never know why God allowed things to happen. You know, I hear people say all the time, man, and we probably said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to fall face down on your face is what you're going to do. There ain't going to be no asking God, why this, why that, why this, okay? I'm going to be praising God. I, I mean, thank God I made it, you know? I mean, because I got a feeling, man, when you get to heaven and you see Jesus for who he really is, it ain't going to matter the why, okay? Whatever you went through, whatever happened to you, it's not going to matter anymore, okay? I just got a feeling. Somebody should write a song. I can only imagine what's going to happen. <laughs> so here, man, here are our resolutions, okay? We're going to go through these resolutions. They're, they're really five resolutions, and, and we're going through these resolutions for, for a reason, okay? And it's to make sure that we have first things first. It's to make sure that above all things, man, that we are faithful, spiritually healthy followers of Jesus Christ. That we have great impact and influence on the world. And that's not just individually, but that's collectively as a, as a church. That should be our goal, amen? So the first one, man, five checkpoints. To, uh, I think they're on the screen. The first one's going to be surrendered to Christ, Romans 12.1. Then separated from the world, Romans 12.2. A sober self-assessment, that's important. Romans 12.3-8. Serving in love, Romans 12, 9 through 13. And then supernaturally responding to evil with good, Romans 9, I'm sorry, Romans 12, 14 through 21. So we're going to look at the first two today. And, and all of these go hand in hand. If, if, and you just, you can't pick and choose, they're connected, Right? You can't say, well, I, I'm doing great on the first one, but the last four are kind of really not so much, right? <clears throat> they don't go that way. They're, they're, they're really connected. And you're going to see why as Bill and I go through these, these resolutions, okay, how they're connected and why. But today, the first two, surrender to Christ and 
separated from the world. So Romans 12, look at 1 and 2. Paul, he's writing here, and, and, and he's already, we've already gone through the executive summary, right, of, of 1 through 11. So he writes here, and, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the first part of that is, is, is surrendered to Christ. In that first verse there, there's, there's a command. Paul gives us a command. Then he gives us a motive, right? Why, why are we supposed to do this? Then he gives us a reason for, for, for making this change in our life. So the, the, let's read it again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, or some translations may say our spiritual act of worship or true and proper worship. So here's the command. If, if it works out for you, or, or, or if you have time, or if you, if you want to, be a sacrifice for the Lord. When it's convenient, when you don't feel like you're going to be rejected, or when you don't feel like you're going to be you know, too pressured, because you know, God don't want you under pressure. That's not what he said. What did he say? Brothers and sisters. Give yourselves, offer yourself, or surrender yourselves, your bodies, he says. <clears throat> Man, that's heart, mind, soul, body, strength. That's all that I have, all that I am, right? Give yourself. God's not going to come and take it. God's a gentleman. God is not going to say, look, man, I want I I to take you to heaven to be with me. You know, at the end of your life, I'm going to come, bam, you're going to be mine. Come on, God's not going to force us to do that. We have to give ourselves to Him, right? That's what He's saying there. Give yourself. That means we physically surrender. We don't like to talk about the word surrender a lot, do we? Because we're Americans. Americans don't surrender. I mean, think about it. We've been raised that way. Have y'all not been raised that way? We have been raised that way, man, to not surrender. I'll die before I surrender. Well, man, this, we're, this is not a worldly surrender. This is surrender to our Creator. Because, look, we're, we're on the wrong side. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we've been separated from God. So what, what Paul's talking about here is, look, if you don't surrender, there's no restoration. Andrea did a phenomenal job this morning explaining restoration. It's, it's, it's <clears throat> this thing used to belong to Jerry, but I took it. Why did I take it? Because I wanted it. Because I didn't want Jerry to get honor and glory for having this thing. So I just lied to Jason and Jason gave it to me. <laughs> See, until Jerry gets this back, it's not going to be restored. So that's what happened to us in the Garden of Eden. Satan lied to Eve and Eve went to Adam and 
they disobeyed God and ever since that time every human being born is not in the right relationship with God until we surrender do you know there's no restoration because we're not we're not restored to God the ownership because God's our creator God's our owner right if we don't surrender our life to Jesus Christ God's method for us being made right with him then that that ownership is not restored does that make sense and another way, man, is just saying sacrifice. I need to sacrifice my life. I give myself to God because of what God did for me through Jesus Christ, right? I mean, do we really need to talk about what sacrifice means? You know, a lot of people, you know, you, you mentioned like sacrifice and faith and people just deer in the headlights, you know, sacrifice, so I got to kill myself? No. He said be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. I mean, we know what sacrifice is. I mean, how many got kids? If you got children, you know what sacrifice is, don't you? We make sacrifices for our kids, right? How many served in the military? You sign your name to serve, to sacrifice your life for our country, you know, and your family. You know what sacrifice is. Man, those, those who've worked hard, maybe you wanted a car, or you want to get out on your own, you want your first new home, so you spent the three, four, five years working, sacrificing so you could buy that thing, right? <clears throat> Whatever the case may be, man, uh, if you ever had to save money, if you got a shovel head, you ever had to save money to buy motorcycle parts. <laughs> Woo! You know what sacrifice is. Huh? Because you're constantly fighting with your wife because she don't like it when you buy her parts for her birthday. So you have to sacrifice, right, <laughs> to buy your motorcycle parts. So we know what sacrifice is. So that, that's, look, that's the command. Give yourself. Sacrifice your life for me. Don't die for me. I want you to live for me, right? And then the motive, why? What's the purpose of that? Why? The cross, because of what Jesus did for us. Because of what he did for us. Romans 5, 8. While we were sinners, Christ came and died for us. Because God loves us that much. God loves us that much. He wants us restored. That thing, that JD, that's mine. I want, I want him back. So much that I sent Jesus, God's son. Jesus is God. God himself came and died on a cross. So so that restoration could happen. And the reason, that's the command, there's, there's the motive, that's why the reason, so we could really worship Him the true and proper way. Man, is there a greater act of worship than giving yourself to God? There is none. I, I can't think of a greater act of worship than to give myself completely, absolutely to God. And look, at, think about it this way. If surrendering my life to Christ, if surrendering my life to God is a spiritual act of worship, then what is not surrendering to Him? It's a spiritual act of defiance, right? It's a spiritual act of rebellion, right? 
And another way to think about it, what we surrender to is what we worship. So how do I know? Where are you spending your time? Where are your treasures? What are you doing with your talent? You can just look at those three things, man, and, and, and you can tell what you're surrendered to. You can tell what you worship. That's, that's what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? Satan lied. They believed Satan's lie, the father of lies. They disobeyed God because they wanted to be like God, right? They thought God, Satan told them, hey man, God has hoodooed you. God has lied to you. And you're missing out. That's why God don't want you to eat from that tree. You're missing out because if you eat from that, you're going to be just like God. And rather than surrender to God, they surrendered to Satan's lie. And we've been in this mess ever since so man that, that's what it means to, to surrender and guys I'm telling you there's a lot of people in, including myself I, I think there's, there's I think salvation has happened but not surrender I think some people are truly saved but not surrender to God And God doesn't just want to save us so we'll be in heaven one day. God wants us to surrender completely to Him. I don't know a person's heart. All we can do as followers of Christ is look at fruit, right? That's all we can do. We look at fruit. Boy, that looks like a Christian. And we start looking at fruit and go, wait, wait a minute. Remember Jesus in the fig tree? Fig tree looked like it should have been producing fruit. Jesus goes to the fig tree because he's hungry. He wants to get some figs. He gets there and what happens? There was no, no fruit on it. What did Jesus do to the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree. What do you think Jesus is going to do to us for those of us who profess Jesus' name? We wear a t-shirt and we, we praise him with our lips, but our hearts are what? Far from him. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, get away from me. I never knew you. So look, man, I, I, I think we need to understand salvation is a first step in that, right? Salvation is not the end of the story. Salvation is just the beginning. And surrender. Surrender is a thing that, that we need to be focused on. How am I surrendering my life now that now that? I've changed my mind, I've repented, and, 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 and I've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay, now how do I begin to surrender myself to Him and let Him use me for Himself, for His purposes? But guys, look, if we don't get that right, I don't think nothing else is going to be right. If, if, we don't, if we don't nail that down, then how can anything else be added? I mean, that's the foundation of the house. I think everything hinges on that in our life. Everything hinges on our surrender to Christ. And in the second part of that, to be separated from the world. And again, they go together. Look, 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies or surrender to God because all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. He don't need you to be dead. He wants you to live for him, right? The kind he will find acceptable. See, that's what hit me, man. When I first got saved and I read that and I saw that little right there, man, those five little words, the kind he will find acceptable. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that I want to be. No, what kind of, what kind of Christian does God want you to be? What kind of follower does God want you to be? That's why we put it in our vision and mission statement, right? We want to be the people that God wants us to be. Become what he wants us to become. Because that's important, man. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then here's verse 2. This is separate from the world. Look, don't copy. Some translations say be conformed or be shaped by the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some translations may say renewing your mind. And then look what happens. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do you separate from the world? How, how do you separate from, from sin without first surrendering? You can't. It's impossible. Without surrender to God through Christ, we, we belong to the world, right? And what's he talking about? Don't be conformed to the, the behavior and customs of the world. What he's talking about there is, is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And, and that's our snapshot. That's our, our picture of the world. That's the world's pattern, system, behavior, customs right there. 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Look, James 4, 4 says it this way. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you must make yourself an enemy of God. Well, that's kind of confusing, man. I mean, we all live in the world. We've got friends in the world. What does that mean? Well, we're to be a part of the world, but not in the world, right? You ever put a boat on a lake? It ain't in the lake, it's on the lake, right? It's the same way with us. We're not in the lake, we're, on, we're not in the world, we're, we're a part of the world. We're not in it. In other words, the behaviors, the customs, the pattern, that sinful nature is not in us, although we're still living in the world. In other words, this ain't your home, right? We're living like this is not my home. That's what that means. In other words, hey, you're living like a sacrifice for Him. Because when the world looks at you or anybody looks at you, they don't see the rest of the world. What do they see? They see fruit for God. They see a surrendered person who's sacrificing their life for God. That's what they should see. And again, here's a command. Don't copy. Don't be conformed or shaped to the patterns and customs of the world, right? Now look, there's three things in there, in that pattern, in that, in that custom system of the world. What are they? It's the lust, right? Lust of the what? Lust of the eyes, right? Well, the first one was lust of the flesh. I want to satisfy me. I want to satisfy myself, right? Lust of the flesh. That's what it is. Look, the world. Does the world give you, give you things to satisfy our sinful nature? It does. That's part of the behavior and custom and pattern of the world. Then it's the lust of the eyes, right? 
Lust of the flesh, I want to satisfy myself. Lust of the eyes, I want what I see. We covet. I want what I see, and, and, and I'm going to work to get what I see. And if I can't work to get what I see, I'll manipulate to get what I see. That's the behavior pattern of the world, right? There's an envy in us to want what we see. And then there's a pride of life. Pride of life are things that promote us to a higher level than God. In other words, I'm on the throne. I'm on the throne. I'm a self-made man. No, I'm on the throne. Again, man, that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That was the thing that Satan used to cause Eve to disobey God, to eat the fruit, to take it to Adam. That was their sin right there. So that was the command. That was the reason. Here's the motive. To be transformed. Notice it says, but let God transform you. Don't copy the world. Don't do that. No, let God transform you. How do you let God transform you if you ain't first surrendered? It's impossible. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way we think or renewing our mind. God wants to move us from disobedience to obedience. God wants to remove that sinful nature inside and, and give us a supernatural nature from the Holy Spirit that's obedient to Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Guys, there's got to be surrender before we can separate from the world. Galatians 5.16 Paul said this, Look, walk by the Spirit, you'll not gratify, gratify the desires of the flesh. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? means I'm surrendered to Christ. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit's leading me, guiding me to do, rather than doing what, who wants to do? Myself. Isn't that surrendered? And what's the reason? What's the purpose behind this? Well, the reason is we learn to know God's will, which is good, pleasing, and purpose. I mean, and perfect. See, look, man, a lot of people think God's hiding His will from us. God's will's not hidden from us. Most of us don't know it because we're not surrendering. If we simply surrendered it, it's what these first two verses say. Hey, if you'll surrender yourself to me, if you'll let me transform you and separate you <clears throat> from the world, then you will know my will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's right there. Proverbs 3, 5 and 7 says, look, or 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There's surrender, right? Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. In other words, God's going to share his will for our life as we surrender and as we separate, letting him transform us. We get to know what his will is for our life. So, man, these things, these first two verses in Romans here, it's critical. It's critical to our being a faithful, spiritually healthy Follower of Jesus Christ. 
Because without surrender and being separated from the world, we don't have that primary thing, do we? So that's the foundation that we've got to build on. And again, man, you can't, how do you separate from yourself? You can't. You, 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 it's impossible to separate from yourself. And so many people try and do that, man. How, did y'all, some of y'all do that? You try to clean up before you got saved? Before you gave your life to Christ? Before you surrendered to Christ? How many, how many in here just say, well, well I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start going to church. Or I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing, I'm going to clean myself up. You can't clean yourself up. You can't. There's nothing in us that can handle the sin. That's why Jesus came and died. He's the only one. Didn't Jesus say that in John chapter 15? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up. Look, Paul said it this way, Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul also said, Romans 7, 21, 24. Look, I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. We're talking about Paul here, okay? Y'all know who Paul is, right? One of the greatest missionaries that God's ever produced in this world. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then Paul gave the answer. What's verse 25 say? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we're saved from that. That's how we defeat that sinful nature. That's how we conquer that sinful nature inside. That's how we do that. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Guys, the only way that we can defeat that is to surrender. The only way we can defeat that is to surrender. A dead person don't have no lust of the flesh. A dead person, he can't see. A dead person has no pride of life. What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified in Christ. I no longer live. But it's Christ that lives in me. Guys, that's surrendered. That is surrendered. And when we do that, guys, when we do that, we start to experience God's best for our life. See, God's best for our life is to be surrendered to Him and separated from the world. It's to be restored back to Him. Because He's the rightful owner. Satan's not our rightful owner. This world and everything the world has to offer. That's not where we belong, guys. Do you know hell was not even created for us? Who was hell created for? Hell was created for Satan who rebelled against God. We're only going there 
if we reject, deny, and rebel against God. That should be a clue for us, guys, that God wants you. God loves you. Jesus died on a cross so we would come back to him. So today, as we take communion, guys, the band, you guys come on back up. Today, as we take communion, I want you to think about these things that we've talked about. Man, you may be saved. There may have been a time in your life where you, you got saved and you were baptized. But you know what? You, you may not be living a surrendered life. I want you to think about today, as, as, we, as we move forward in 2024, I want you to think about that as a resolution. Are you willing to, 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 to tell God, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you? I don't know what that looks like, smells like, tastes like, but God, I want to be surrendered to you. In every area of my life, I want to be surrendered to you. If, if that's you today, then man, man, pray. Pray and ask God to help you surrender. Okay, because look, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. This is about the cup that we're getting ready to take, you know, the, the communion. Listen to this. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And, and when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? In other words, I, I think what, what Paul is saying here is, look, I want you to surrender and sacrifice to Christ as Christ surrendered and sacrificed to God the Father. I want you to be broken bread and poured out wine just as I am. My body's going to be broken and my blood's going to be poured out wine for you. And I got to ask this question this morning, man. We do communion. Sometimes we just, we do communion because, yeah, we do communion. You got to go do communion and that's the right thing to do. But let me ask you something, man. If you're not willing to surrender, why are you doing communion? If I'm not willing to surrender my life completely to Jesus Christ and be, and be broken bread and poured out wine for him in this world, then why would you take communion to honor his sacrifice on the cross? Why? And that's something we need to think through this morning. That's something we all need to think about this morning. Otherwise, we take communion in vain. Man, don't do that. Paul said in also in Corinthians, we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith. Faith is not necessarily salvation. What is faith? Trust in God's Word, agreeing with His Word, and acting in obedience. Guys, I think that starts with surrender. So as we pray, I want you to really think about that. Don't just rush to get in line and get your communion and just go through the motions. I want you to really think. And if you don't want to take communion today because there's an area of your life that's not right, man, I, I applaud you for that. That's what you should do. But you need to get that right. If we want to have a new life resolution, right, if we want to put first things first, if we want, if we want to do the thing that allows God's best in our life, this is where it starts. Let's pray. Father, I praise you. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you gave Jesus Christ as our sacrifice, Lord, so that we could come to you, so we could surrender to you, so that we could separate from the world. Because apart from you, Jesus, apart from your spirit, 
We can do nothing. Today, as we take communion, Father, I pray that we would think about these things. Lord, is there some area of my life where I'm not willing to surrender? Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, is there some area where I'm just not willing to surrender? Lord, help us with that. Don't let us take communion in an unworthy manner. I pray today that everybody here and everybody online who's listening, Lord, that we would want your best for our life, not secondary things. No, we want the primary thing. We want that right relationship with you that allows us to be faithful, spiritually healthy followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, you move right now, Lord, and do what you need to do in our hearts and minds so that we can be faithful and spiritually healthy. In your name we pray. Amen.